Thanks for listening. We are Western Iowa's news and classic hit station, KCIM. Well, always good to catch up with Carroll Police Chief Brad Burke, and that's what we're going to do this hour here on KCIM. Once again, it's uh, six degrees, a little sunshine out there on this Wednesday morning. Uh, Brad, welcome back. We are trying to figure out the last time you were in here for a while. It's been a while. Yeah, it has. I couldn't even tell you for sure. I think ra- Ragbri time. I think Whoa, it was it's rag- been that long? I think it's okay. been Ragbri time. Man, that's six, seven months. That's a long time ago. <laughs> we're failing. We're miserable. Uh, that means we have nothing going on, which is all right, too. Yeah, if, if you're not coming back for big reasons, then that's good. That, that's good. No news is good news yeah, when it comes to bad. police and law enforcement, obviously. So uh, let's talk a little bit about this recent snowstorm we just went through. What was it like for you guys? Because uh, it was just miserable for everybody. It was. And, you know, people had to get out to work. Some people, not a lot, because things had closed down. But we spent most of our days, two days, really, pushing cars out, out of drifts that were stuck in intersections or wherever they could have been. So... We did a lot of that. Uh, we got really cold and wet, and everything froze up, but we got through it. All things considered, City of Carroll did, I think, a heck of a job. I felt within, by noon of the following day, you could at least get around. Mm-hmm. Uh, you shouldn't be trying, but you could if you absolutely needed to. And then by that evening, following that first real big snow, everyone was kind of fine. I didn't really see much in terms of unusual car accidents related to, to no. snow and ice. Car accident-wise, was pretty low. Um the street guys did a great job. They were out. Of course, tough job with the wind. They were mm-hmm. fighting the primary roads. Pretty much the first day was just primaries only. So uh, it was. It, they did a good job, but we got everything opened up. And we're still fighting some wind stuff out of north, of course, on the edges of town. But the roads look a lot better now and just slow traffic, which is okay. But the car accidents have been pretty low. And you know, that's, that's we like to see that, too. Had, so. had to tow anybody? Uh, we, did, we, did tow, we did tow. Uh, we towed one for parking violation. We tried to make contacts with everyone to get their cars moved, and everyone was pretty compliant with that. We had one that we just couldn't find, so we did tow that vehicle. One, one towing job, man, that's pretty good. That's not bad. A lot of tickets, though. We did write tickets for cars that were parked in the road. Um, another thing was that the tow companies were busy enough that if I needed a tow, it might, I might have to wait a couple hours to get someone there anyway. So we, we tried to get the, home, the owners of the vehicles to move them. And you guys were pretty lean, lenient on the uh, on the sidewalk front. Just it's cold. We pushed it back. Snow. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was so cold, too, so it was hard to get out there. Uh, the city and the officers were out yesterday and knocking on doors and leaving door hangers and door tags for people to get their sidewalk scoops. So we'll go back. They were finishing those up uh, last night, so we'll go back and double-check those uh, today and tomorrow. And then the ones that aren't done, we, we get it cleaned out. So most people are pretty good. Once we leave them notice, they'll get them cleaned up. And just yeah. to refresh or remind folks when they need to scoop and when they need to move their cars. It's typically 24 hours for sidewalks. It's typically 24 hours post the snowfall. Uh, we did delay it a little bit this year due to the, just the cold and the blowing. So, And then we'll leave a notice after 24 hours. That gives them another 24 hours to clean it up. And if that's not completed, then the city will hire a company to come in to clean those sidewalks for them. Now, the bill, you get charged an administrative fee because we put in quite a few few hours and getting this done plus you get to pay for whatever the company is that charges us it's pretty much market rate but with the deep snow like this you can probably expect 100 bucks a sidewalk to get them scooped up so uh, vehicles though we got to have those off the road and during any snowfall that the plows are out so this whole time they were out had to have the cars off the road and, and people are pretty good we, we got the roads cleared up and and like i said that people were pretty compliant with getting that stuff done so we did have a lot of contacts with people but uh, they once they we did contact them they got them moved off the road yeah we did nothing but tell people stay home stay off the roads do all this it, stuff it was, but you guys don't have a choice you got to be out there what kind of toll does that take on the officers and did you have to staff up a little bit during those times uh we did it main thing was if they couldn't get to a call and it wasn't an emergency just push it back just get you know if you've been out and you've been out in the weather get in the office get warmed up 
Uh, the cars were icing up too, of course, so that was a little difficult. Our 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 parking lot was getting full of snow, so we had issues getting in and out too. Uh, I was getting the street department there to get stuff cleaned up helped quite a bit, but we you know we and we didn't have many calls, so we didn't have to delay much. But we just try to keep the guys warm. We provide them with a lot of warm weather gear, and and really we just want them to 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 be be careful. Uh, hard visibility, so making sure their their high visibility vests and stuff are on, using their lights. But everything worked out pretty well. Yeah, let's talk about the numbers you're going to bring in here this morning. We're talking about uh, the crime statistics uh, that you guys are involved with in 2023. Uh, again, I, there there isn't one area that uh, that's standing out to be a real problem. All the numbers, for the most part, are down again. Yeah, pretty consistent again from the last couple of years. You know, last 10 years, of course, you see some changes in there. But even just last couple of years, not much change. Uh, one of the things I'd like to point out, though, is theft from vehicle. So, uh, that's one of our numbers that we post. We started doing this back in 2018. We had a string of car thefts at that, or thefts from vehicles at that point. So we we started changing the way we we logged those, and uh, we only had 14, pretty low number for thefts from vehicles. But really, it could be zero. Uh, we don't have people that are breaking windows to get into cars or just open and unlock car doors. So big thing is just lock your car, prevent yourself from being a victim. And I know there's a lot of people that didn't report these to when they got their car broken into and are happening, but. These are the ones that we do have. And big thing is just lock your car. It won't happen. And how tough is, is it to close a case like that? If someone says, hey, someone stole my purse out of my car, that's going to be it relatively is, difficult. It is difficult, though. But a lot of the residents are now adding, you know, ring doorbells or surveillance systems on their house. So that's helped quite a bit where you at least get some type of picture or a possible vehicle description or maybe looking for, which has helped out. But, you know, I wouldn't say this is one that we're having 100 percent closure rate on either. So it's it's. They are difficult ones. The theft theft is, is tough. Most of our theft that you see, which is probably our highest number, we had 210 theft reports last year. A lot of that's shoplifting. So we did get a lot of shoplifting. And um, if you if you steal from a store in Carroll, you're probably going to get caught because they're mm-hmm. good. They they're that's their job is to catch those people for stealing. And and Walmart has a theft protection uh, department that works for their entire store and actually you know nationwide for them. And they all communicate and. Every store has a camera now too. So if you steal something, we probably got your picture. Well, and they, Facebook. they show they show you when you're checking out at the self check. Yeah, there's true. Two yeah. Or th- there's two or three a week at the courthouse. And if we don't know who they are, we put it on Facebook, and we can usually find out in about 15 to 20 minutes who that person is. Yeah. So it's you, interesting as you take a look at the numbers. I kind of look pre-pandemic 2019. Uh, we really didn't feel the pandemic probably until almost 2020. But boy, the numbers nosedive uh, oh, through the pandemic. Uh, still, they they haven't gone back to those 2019 numbers. I mean, you take a look at assaults. There was 78 uh, in 2019, down to 52. The 52 burglaries down to 26 for this year. So we still haven't really gone back to those pre-pandemic levels, which is great news. We like that, yeah, with no complaints from us. I don't, you know, I can't give you an exact reason of why that's happened, but, uh, you know, we just have a great community. The citizens are watching for each other, and I think people are pretty respectful. We did lose a lot of our 24-hour businesses. Um, our, our bars and restaurants aren't staying open as late as they had in the past, so, you know, we're, we're seeing lower numbers because of that. You go back at 10 years ago, and the numbers are almost shockingly low. When you look at 2013 numbers, assaults uh, are below 40. Uh, the only triple digit one is thefts, and that would be you know, shoplifting. It's mm-hmm. probably 10 a day, right? Big so, time, yeah. Uh, quite a few of them. What's different from now from 10 years ago? I, you know, I really couldn't tell you. I don't know. I don't I know what mental, mental health calls. You mental health got... calls, we get a big change with that, of course. But, you know, why the numbers change over years? In uh, you know, a lot of the stuff, too, is we, we might have someone in town that breaks into 10 cars a week. And then uh-huh. when we get them caught, then that number goes away. But we have 10 reports from that one person. So 
uh, that type of stuff happens where we get those calls. But of course, our mental health calls have, have definitely, you know, in 2013, we had 15 mental health calls, 58 this last year. And those take up quite a bit of time too, or you probably average about an hour per mental health call per officer that they're, you know, if they're having to take someone to the hospital and stand by with them, or if they're waiting for a mental health crisis unit to arrive, or, you know, just trying to deescalate whatever may be going on with them, it, it takes some time too. So I would think even more than an hour in a lot of those cases. Yeah, and that's probably the average. Sometimes we're in and out pretty quick. If someone, you know, if they, they don't want our assistance or we were able to get them some help right away or they got some family nearby, we can take care of that pretty quick. Other ones, yeah, they take they could take quite a bit of time. And there's ones where officers are dealing with them their, their entire shift. On if, I don't, calls. if I don't ask about it now, I'll forget. You mentioned ring cameras earlier. Some communities have uh, a system set up where they can let the city know or let your department know, like, hey, we've got a camera if you need it. Do you have a system like that? In we Carol? do. So Alex Cleaver, who's our detective, had gone out about maybe like 2019, 2020, right before I think the pandemic broke. And we were kind of we put it out on social media a little bit, too, for people to get a hold of us. And we're just keeping a list is what we're doing. So that way we know if there is a incident in the 900 block of North Main Street, we can check our list. OK, in this two block radius, we know there's 15 cameras that we can go check with these people. So if someone does want to have their name on the list, uh, give us a call at the office or, or get a hold of Alex Cleaver. He's our detective. He keeps that list up to date. And we'll, then we'll know where they're at. Uh, you know, if they don't, people don't, sometimes don't want us to know too. And that's fine. We, we understand and respect that. And then we'll just kind of look around houses and see if we can see a camera on the outside. And we make make contact that person to see if they got any any video for us. That really is a great idea, having that list of, oh, we know they've got a camera and it's pointed here. So uh, I wanted to ask you about traffic citations. <laughs> uh, 2017, you wrote almost, over 1,700, over 1,400 in 2028. Uh, this past year, 942. Have you guys gone soft? We have not gone soft. <laughs> we, we're just seeing less. You know, and this was one of the things that we really noticed during the pandemic issue that never really picked up is our traffic went down. And this is one of the things that's happened. So it never really has picked up for it. it. I can't really tell you why, because we probably yeah. have the same amount of traffic on the road as we have in the past, but we're just not seeing those issues like we have. So you're just not suddenly like, oh, we're nice guys. We're going to let you do this. We do no. a lot. We do. If you see, we're, we're, <laughs> we're doubled now in warning. So yeah. we do try to be nice and, and understand that people will make mistakes and, re, and make the changes themselves. But yeah, well, the number really dropped and there's no real explanation yeah. for it. It's kind of been uh, up and down throughout the years based off our staffing numbers, but we've been at full staff for, for over two years now, and yeah, the number never really changed. But we were talking off air a little bit. Our our overnight officers, after about 10 o'clock or midnight, they're they're reporting that there is just nothing in town. It's, it's kind of like a ghost town at night, so it's pretty quiet. That's great. I mean, that, that really is fantastic. They don't have a lot to do in the overnight hours. We're thankful for that. I, I do want to touch on, of course, the stuff, uh, the, the shooting that happened in pairing. When you hear about that, what's your immediate reaction? So the first, since it was so close, we were working, I was working with our comm center to figure out what their request was. Were they looking for any assistance from, from us? We're, we're pretty far away. We're an hour or so at emergency situation. We're probably there in about 45 minutes. That's still quite a long time for that type of situation. So we were just on a standby, um, and and if needed, we were going to go assist if we needed to. But you know, they had tons of help coming out of the metro and kind of surrounding counties that helped them out. So we stayed back and just monitored traffic on the radio to see what was going on and what might be needed. And, and luckily, they got that uh, taken care of pretty quick. But is that a situation where you might go help another town that that their officers went to? You absolutely could. If they had a call that came in that needed assistance, we would definitely make our way that way to assist them too. But then afterwards, we start reviewing. Okay. How's our policies look? How's our training going? Um, we've talked with the schools. What can we do to, to you know, work with them a little bit? Uh, I've talked with the IT at Carroll High. We've had some 
we had access to camera systems and we, they had some server changes and stuff. So we're, we're trying to get those updated so that we get back into their camera system if needed. I know Perry used that. Their dispatch was looking at their camera system right away to kind of direct officers where they needed to be at and what they're looking for. So we're working with the schools to get that back up and running. And, and you know, it's, yeah, now it's, we want to review so that we know that we're ready. And then uh, once Perry gets to that point, they'll put out an after-action report and we'll dig through that quite a bit too to know okay, what do we need to do, what, what changes worked, or what, what policies worked for them, what training worked for them, what didn't work, and how can we make ours, ours better. So, Not asking you to backseat quarterback, but uh, I don't know if you could really ask for a better response from law enforcement, EMS, uh, fire department, I mean, everyone who it was, responded. It was quick. And if we, have, we have a system in, in our called the MOC system, which is our, our communications and our mapping, GPS tracking on vehicles. And we have access to, to be able to see uh, a lot of, police units in our area and, and all the state patrol and the DOT and just the amount of cars that were headed that way was was crazy that you could see on the on the on the system so um yeah, the response was absolutely probably overwhelming for uh you know the small town of Perry mm-hmm. with a department that's probably smaller than us or probably maybe a 12 guy department so um quite quite overwhelming and and a good, a good a good response too of course that's what you want to see and of course the immediate entry was been a big thing that we've trained on uh the Uvalde kind of brought that to everybody's attention that this needed to be done and we we were we have been training that way for quite some time before that and a lot of departments have so um they did it they went right in and and you know went, went to the threat and make sure that there was no more issue speaking yeah. of training you did get uh, i believe the city approved the purchase of uh, a training uh, i don't know what i don't know what you would call it we call it a simula- it's a simulator, simulator. yep okay Training simulator. I, so we got did, that on hand. We did. We just did our training with our officers on it about two weeks ago. We had a department meeting and ran them through that. So it's called the Dart Simulator. It's a it's kind of a virtual reality type training situation. Um, so we it's a projected up onto a screen. It's very mobile, so we can move it to like hallways or we can take it to businesses. We have it set up in our in our basement of the police department right now. And the officers can go down there. It's you have a simulated gun. A gun you have a vest that you wear that indicates if someone's shooting back, if you take any any rounds, and the officers run through situations and scenarios. And sometimes it's a shoot, don't shoot situation. Other times you can use it as just uh, in, indoor like target practice type firearms training. Um, you can set it up and you can create your own training systems within it. So we purchased that. That was on this this current year's budget, and we got that purchased and kind of just getting up and running now with it and getting the officers trained. And it, nice thing is it's very simple. So. Those night officers, if they are bored, they can go down there, mm-hmm. turn on the, and run it by themselves. It doesn't take more than one person to run it. So once you start it, it's all automated. The system will run through it and do it for you, and you just run through the situation or the scenario. When the, when the news broke, everybody kind of thought, wow, it, you know, there were just disbelief that it's happening here. You guys have to look at that as it's going to happen. We need to be prepared for it, this, don't always you? Always got to be prepared, yeah, because you only hear for that. I never thought it would happen in my town. Well, it doesn't matter how big your community is. It, it could happen in any any community. So, uh, you know, the size of Carroll, the size of Glidden, it could occur. So you just, you got to be prepared and ready to go. Any on-site training that you're going to be doing this summertime, maybe? or We uh, haven't got anything uh, set yet, but uh, I'm sure we'll be doing some on-site training. And we currently have access to the schools now. And our guys do, so we'll use the schools because mostly because their availability is pretty pretty easy for us, especially after school hours. We can go in and do like building search scenarios, which doesn't only benefit us for the schools, but any any situation that we go into, any office building or even a residence that the officers kind of work together on building searches. And mm-hmm. and so we, we do that currently now. But, yeah, we'll probably end up putting together some big training, and I'm sure the schools are going to be looking for some more. We do active shooter training with the schools almost on an annual basis. 
And especially with new teachers, we, we seem to do that quite a bit. We have two officers who are called alert uh, certified. So they're our active shooter trainings and they, and they do them for businesses. We've done them for banks. Um, you pretty much you name it, they've, they've done them for those those places around town. So my wife works in one of the local schools, and she's talked about that active shooting shooter training. Are there different tiers of training? There is, and we set it up to whatever the, whatever the business or the school or whoever it is that's requesting, whatever they want. We can make it a one-hour PowerPoint, kind of just an awareness-type training, or we can do a full-scale scenario where we come in and we have actors and we have response from medics and fire and police, and, and we set up a bad guy and we run through a whole scenario. So... We can we can scale it to however the needs are that the that the business or the requester really wants. And this is really just anecdotally, but that that full one they had, I think airsoft guns. Oh yeah, I oh, think yeah. When they use those, uh, that left an impact on my wife, and she realized how unprepared she was, and she hadn't really thought about it at all, and I completely changed her paradigm. Uh, do you want to shift gears a little bit? Uh, kind of the news that Fairview is transitioning out of the USDA thing, uh, the USDA housing program. That's got to be a sense of relief for your guys' department, just because it's been. A bit of a pain in your rear end for quite some time. It's it's our hot number uh, location that we get our most of our calls for service to. So, uh, you know, it'll be a change. It's pretty quiet up there right now. Actually, if you if you drive through or even look over there, you'll notice that their parking lot's pretty empty. The uh, it's probably about a forty percent occupied rate right now, so it's pretty low. I think there's seventy six total units up there, so it doesn't leave a lot of people that are actually living up there currently. Uh, the big thing is. And I don't know what the plan is in the future for this place, but it, it's in dire need of some major repair. So it, I wouldn't wouldn't suggest anyone want to live there only because it, it, there is some major repairs that need mm-hmm. to be done. So I hope that whatever happens next is either, you know, we, we tear it down and put up something, some new condos or residences or something there, or whoever takes ownership of it next really puts in the work to get it into a level where people would feel comfortable living there again. Yeah, a lot of things going on around the area we're going to keep our eye on, but uh, numbers are great for 2023. Once again, very safe community. Brad, thank you so much for coming in. We appreciate it, and uh, we'll catch up again sometime soon. Appreciate it. All right, Brad Burke once again joining us here this morning on KCIM.